Something is wrong. Something is wrong with me. Lizzie, I know. That's why we need to get you help. No, but I'm dying. Don't you understand? No, I'm I don't understand. But I am. I'm dying. I'm dying. every day. It's on the inside. So don't try and understand. Why are you trying so hard to Did ruin I my life? You'll thank me later. For what? Leaving Dad? I'm trying to give you every opportunity that I can. For what? So I can become a strong, independent woman like you? Such a slightest breath And I know who I am Look at me! I'm about to have our baby! Why is that not enough for you? Of course it's enough! I'm not going anywhere, I'm here with you. I want to be alone with you. See, this is why it scares me, is because you don't take it seriously. I take it seriously. I think it's pretty, like... You have a camera in my face in the bathroom. Yeah, you look beautiful in the morning, by the way. Maybe we shouldn't have the camera. Uh, hello? Words that define And they scream it out loud Welcome to Series 3 of The Projectionist Podcast. Horror films affect us all in different ways, but fear is a universal and psychologically fascinating emotion. This season, we're talking about women in horror, dividing our exploration into themes including demons, pregnancy, the detective, the extreme, perfection, and love. We'll be discussing the portrayal of female subjectivity in horror, as well as the impact that watching them can have on us as women. Don't be scared, you're safe with us. Thank you, Sarah. We'll be in touch. All right, we're recording. We're back. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Mary. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited because today we have a fantastic guest, Zoe, the host of the amazing Zoe with a Shotgun with us. Hi, Zoe. Hello. Thank you both for having me. Very excited to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit? It's just plug all of your work, we're very interested. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, yeah, so as you as you guys probably already know, um, I'm really into extreme horror films um, and horror in general. Uh, I've got my podcast over with a shotgun and then also co-host um, with my friend John on A Nice Chianti, which started as a horror podcast um, and now we're just doing a lot of weird films, um, including rom-coms as well, which for me is oh, wow. not, not my kind of forte, <laughs> but you know, it's fine. Um, and then I write for a couple of places like Scream Horror Magazine um, and also Jump Cut Online and then just, yeah, anything to do with horror, I try to um, see how I can get involved and that's that's about it for me. That's amazing, amazing. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so excited to talk with you today and just have this group chat about our fifth episode in our mm-hmm. Women in Horror series. Uh, we've been focusing on uh, various kind of themes, love, pregnancy, and today we're actually going to be talking about uh, extreme representations in horror. Hence why I'm here. Right? Hence why I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I think I, just, I first heard you on Mike's podcast, The Extreme yes. Horror, and it was just so amazing to hear someone who's made that their subject. It's quite, I've n- never met anyone else that's made The Extreme. Probably and, for good reason. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, do you know what, actually I don't want to watch that anymore, that's just kind of nasty. Yeah. But, um, 
then I'm always drawn back in by, you know, I see something that's like, oh, they get their legs cut off, do they? I'm going to watch that. <laughs> I'm there. All right. Amazing. <laughs> so, well, it's funny because uh, uh, some of my people, you know, my friends listen to the podcast. And yeah. one of them said to me the other day, I'm listening to your women in horror, but it's like you're watching the horror film, so I don't have to. Yeah. And you're kind of one step above that. You're watching like the extreme horror films. So the rest of us don't have That's, yeah, most yeah. people that listen have said to me, they're like, I'm actually never going to watch a lot of those films. Yeah. I just like to hear your reactions to them and go yeah that confirms that I'm not going to watch that movie so it's quite um I mean a couple of people have watched them and I've also forced a couple of my friends um to come over and (laughs) watch them but yeah typically a lot of people stay away from them so I feel like I would feel safe in your hands me too with you well I have two cats and they're really cuddly as well so it's like you know (laughs) it's nice vibes nothing creepy (laughs) so as yeah it's good it's almost like you perform it a really kind of like needed litmus test function for people who might be otherwise probably never brave enough to actually tackle an extreme horror film what would you say is the one film that you watched and you thought oh my god that's actually scarred me I can never watch that again and I would I would actually recommend no one watches it I mean, there's a few like that. I would say, so the two that have done that to me is um, Slaughtered Vomit Dolls. Um, that one's very horrible. It's it's almost kind of just like vomit fetish. Oh um, and I obviously don't have... Sorry, that's kind of one of my subjects. I'm really interested in oh. vomit, vomiting. Oh, here we go. Yeah. So there we go. This is a perfect film for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. You need to watch this. <laughs> Yeah. Look, you watch it and then tell me if it's too scary and then I won't watch oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would say the other one would be um, a film called Tumbling Doll of Flesh, um, which in the title alone is quite, but it's like um, it's like a movie from Japan, mm. um, like a found footage type movie. The first 45 minutes is like very, very bad porn. Um, and yeah. then it's kind of just about a guy um, doing very nasty things to a, a woman's body while she's alive and you know having oh sex God. with it in multiple ways and yeah that one was the one where I went oh, yeah I've done that yeah yeah it feels like a real snuff film sure mm-hmm. so. sure actually have you ever seen August Underground because I want to watch that I have do you yes. recommend that I actually really like them okay I thought the first one was actually quite funny yeah um okay I don't know if everyone would agree but and what, what would you guys say is like the most extreme film you've seen? Ooh. The thing is, I'm, that's the thing, I try, but I'm not very good with the extreme. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that, because I mean, I really actually enjoyed Martyrs, which we're going to talk to talk about later. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think that is generally thought of as, as sort of like a, gate, like a gateway to the extreme. Yeah. But apart from that, I don't think I've gone, I haven't gone further in. Mm-hmm. Um, I have spoken in the podcast before that the... Human Centipede Part Two. When oh, kind that of film <laughs> is actually quite quite horrible to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. I, I think when it I've like shared like a very long story, but when that kind of all those reviews came out and I read, I like I went straight to the Wikipedia and I read like the plot. <laughs> and when I read the plot, that just reading the reading some of the acts like that took me days to get over. But I am. But then on the other hand, like my friends who don't like horror at all consider me to have quite high thresholds yeah so i'm really kind of interested in i suppose that's kind of why we wanted to do this podcast today just sort of yeah. talk about just what is extreme horror for and what you know why some people can do it and some people can't and what yeah. those people are so scared of and why yeah. and what why hasn't it happened to us that thing i think you said of 
were you scarred? Were you? But it's like, mm. does that really happen? You know? Yeah. Do you really get like that? Or yeah. can, can anything really happen to you from moving? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's really interesting. What about you? Because you're kind uh, of quite interested in stuff. Yeah, I am. Like as a sort of mythological concept. Yes. Not really. Exactly. Um, I am actually. I don't know. The, the one that really disturbed me, I would say. Oh, it's hard to choose one. <laughs> Probably um, because I do, I do watch a lot of nasty things. But I would say probably the most, like, the one that made me the most disgusted, I guess. Because yeah. I don't think anything's really scarred me, to be honest. But I think the one that made, produced the most, like, repulsion yeah. was um, Dans Ma Peau. You know, the Marina de Van in my yeah. skin. So that's, yes. that's French extremity, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, that just made me want to almost be sick. Yeah. Uh, but I love that film. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I recommend it to people. I teach it. Yeah. And I had such bad luck because we're actually recording today in City Lit where I teach. And one time I was, I just happened to be teaching that particular film in like a course, a six week long course where there's so many other titles and just randomly my manager's like, okay, we're gonna pop in for like just a quick, very brief supervision. Uh, don't worry about it. You don't need to do anything. We'll just pop in silently and then, and then and walk out. I'm also inducting a new member of staff. I'm like, oh fuck. And then, <laughs> and, I, and just my luck, just as I started the slide on Damapo, in walks my, my supervisor and this poor person who just started, it was her first day, and I'm talking about someone, uh, you know, auto, uh, what is it? Um, auto cannibalism. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, someone locking themselves in a hotel room for a weekend j to just like eat their own flesh. And I was thinking, oh my God, please don't fire me. Like, I'm not, I'm not a murderer. Like, I had all these things in my mind. Anyway, kept it professional. And my manager was really nice about it. I, I, I emailed her later and she was like, yeah, I figured you'd probably do something like that. So um, she knew what she was getting into. So yeah, probably that one. I still would recommend it to anyone who watches, you know, horror film in general. I think it's a well-made film. It's I think a very good film, but I agree. It's quite, um, it's very sickening. Yeah. But I guess it's, it's like that combination of extreme with like body horror. Exactly. Which I often find is perhaps worse, you know, because a lot of extreme films are more kind of like psychological and they tackle taboo but it's all kind of you know some of it is left to your own mind whereas things like that you know you really do see them mutilating like their body um especially in that film um but it's 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 a very like you said it's a very very good film um but yeah it's quite quite disgusting to watch in many yeah. ways yeah. how do you kind of how do you think you sort of define the extreme cinema do you find that your like parameters keep shifting the more you watch like what you thought was extreme at the beginning is nothing yeah yeah I think so like when I first discovered it um I watched a few films and I was like oh this is the worst thing I've ever seen and now I'm beginning to discover that there's always something even worse than that and then someone trying to make something that's even worse than that um and I'm in like a, a couple of Facebook groups for kind of people that find you know lots of different extreme movies and a lot of them are really into really underground independent things which for me I, I don't typically like all of them um, because they are quite they are very very independent and sometimes you can you know the quality's slightly not as well so it makes it harder to watch um, but they're you know they do some things that I'm just like, oh, okay, I didn't even realise we could go that far mm -hmm. with the extreme. And so, yeah, I think that there's always, 
it's always about, I guess that's what extreme is about, is about pushing boundaries. So once one boundary is pushed in one film, another filmmaker needs to go, right, so they push that boundary. What is even worse than that that we can push? So, you know, I think when I first started watching, I kind of thought that something like necrophilia was the worst thing that could ever happen. But then there's other films and I'm like, oh, there's even things that could be worse than that. And it's it's almost like yeah. you can't even fathom mm-hmm. what could be worse. Um, you know, what act someone could do to a body that's worse than, you know, cutting off a yeah. limb or something but there's seems to be always something a little bit worse than what you think the sky's the limit yeah basically <laughs> yeah they're like let's just keep going let's just get worse and worse with it so that's interesting that there's this cumulative effect like that the evolution of this subgenre is really hinges on people kind of doing each other and one yeah. friendship so mm-hmm. I, in a way I quite like that because it just means that it's there's a lot of like ground new ground being broken all the time yeah. Um, yeah, and I think at the end of the day, uh, that, and that's the thing about horror movies is that people, and I think that's pro- probably why I had that uh, reaction when my supervisor, you know, my supervisor walked in on me, um, is that I think people often assume or make value assumptions about the character of the <laughs> spectators who enjoy yeah. this kind of material. Yeah. So it's like it's assumed that you must get some sick pleasure watching this. Um, <laughs> you know, and therefore people feel like there's a taboo. Yeah. Yeah. Even around watching it. Yeah. I mean so many people have said to me, they're like, Oh, I didn't expect you to be like normal and I'm like what do you mean they're like oh well you know you you don't look weird you don't act weird you have like a job you know you have a house you have you look after animals and I was like well yeah I'm not like a murderer or a serial killer or something they're like oh well I just kind of thought you'd be into like weirder stuff and I was like well I I kind of understand and there are some people out there like these couple of Facebook groups is you know sometimes you do see some people in the group and they I think they may actually get some kind of sick pleasure out of watching it um so I do think there's some people out there that I'm kind of like "Mm, they seem like they were like fetishizing it yeah yeah you know and I think for a lot of people sometimes it maybe even becomes like a sexual thing um and you know you do what you do in your spare time I don't want to know but I think it I think it all depends but yeah typically everyone that I've met that likes extreme horror films seem to be like quite normal people Mm -hmm. Um, because I guess it's almost like kind of a form of like escapism any you know horror in particular I'm sure you guys agree is kind of like escapism from things that you wouldn't necessarily like wouldn't normally want to see you know like I hate real animal cruelty I don't want to I'm very squeamish in real life I hate real life blood um I'll faint at the sight of real life blood but I can happily watch a movie that's got yeah I can't and I think it's because I can separate and go well that's a movie and this is real you know if I cut my finger I'm like I'm passing out I'm passing out but I watch the film and I'm like yeah it's fine yeah so I guess it's like you know almost it's kind of like the opposite of like you know I guess maybe real serial killers I mean they watch like comedies or something (laughs) a theme has come 
up a lot throughout this series mm. of what because we do we are kind of I think because we do get questioned a lot about about our love of horror, mm. I get questioned a lot about my love of true crime as well. That's something yeah. that I like, I feel like I find I have to defend. Yeah. Um. And so I think and I that I does you know it does make me worry about whether about what kind of person I am <laughs> on a moral level sometimes yeah. because you know if you do have to kind of answer for something. And so we are kind mm-hmm. of very interested in that, like what horror is for and what extreme horror is for. And I think a lot of time that idea of something that you would find difficult to deal with in real life, having like a, a safe space to explore that is really yeah. important. Yeah, and exactly. Sorry, and I'm the same thing. When I cut my finger, I'm just like, I, just, like, I can't even, I'm just like, someone else deal with this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even look at it. And yeah, but then I can sit through, I can sit through gory horror. Yeah, and actually, in a way, the horror, um, you know, platform and the, the the language of horror is, I think, it's actually really healthy. It's a healthy way of uh, processing maybe trauma or processing yep. difficult emotions that you wouldn't wouldn't normally get a chance to address or confront. And this is actually giving the viewer an opportunity to actually like engage with some of that difficult stuff, but in a safe way, because we we accept that it's fake. It's not real. You know, this is not really happening. It's just a movie. It's just a story. And for that, I think it's actually really, really valuable. It's it's literally the opposite of what a lot of non-horror viewers assume. Yeah. It's actually, it's actually, I think it's actually really functional, you know? It's it's almost like, kind of like therapy. It is, totally. You know, like in therapy, they obviously say, you know, you need to confront these emotions, you need to tackle them head on, Mm -hmm. somewhere safe where you can process them, which literally with horror, you have all these horrible things, but you kind of sit down on your sofa or perhaps in the cinema, you know, and you look at them and you go, right, okay, let's, let's process this, let's look at it, you know, without it coming at you unexpectedly, you kind of put yourself ready to be open about the emotions you're going to feel. So I think it's almost, yeah, it's quite therapeutic to watch it. And you know how you said about like trauma and things, I think horror looks a lot at like trauma, um, grief, you know, Mm -hmm. films like, um, hereditary that one you know how it focused on grief and that one for like you know as a on a personal level grief is a thing that I try to like avoid at all costs and I sat down and I was like I know hereditary is going to make me address this and I actually found it really like therapeutic I I was watching and I was like actually I feel really good after watching that my wife was like really I was like well I feel you know sad I was like but it's quite a good way to like combat it and look at it and go right okay this is you know, you, you do have those emotions that come out, but, like, safely. Oh, so. Amen, sister. Well said. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you sort of think about, that, you know, our fans that are not going to watch the films or your fans that are not, not going to watch the films yeah. that are going to listen, do you think maybe they're just, like, they're just, like, poking their head into the door of therapy or, like, maybe, like, just, like, looking at therapists on website they're not ready to have therapy yet? Pro- like, probably, yeah. yeah. A bit I like think, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. well, because I think you have to be quite brave to... Um, you know put yourself in that position and I think you know extreme horror even when I first started I you know I was I would only ever look at things online and kind of like you were saying earlier read all the Wikipedia pages and then I was finally like right let's let's watch one and I I remember putting on I was like oh god I was like am I going to be scarred after this is it going to be like you know the worst thing ever and then after you kind of watch one you go I could do it again and I I guess there's some people that perhaps might not 
you know, feel that way and might go, I never want to watch something like that again. Yeah. But I think it's always worse in your mind oh, yeah. than what you see. You know, you read about it and you go, oh my God, I can't even imagine like what that looks like on screen. And then you see it on screen and of course it's still horrible, but it's perhaps not as bad as you, you know, you were thinking about it. Even, and even if people mm. do think that's the worst thing they've ever seen, they're never going to do it again. The fact still kind of remains that you've that you have got to the end. I think there's yeah. like a really nice survival process about watching yeah. a horror film. And it's like you are at the end, nothing, like you're still there. You've watched it, you've done it. You survived your so, own yeah, final even girl. If you think, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that pretty much what it is. Everyone can be a final girl. Yeah. Even, even men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I also do, I do definitely, I have to say, I've really actually utilised a horror movie recently because I, as Mary knows, I had a friend kill herself just before Christmas yeah. which is like a grief of like a very specific kind because it's kind of like it's mm-hmm. guilt and it's grief and it's yeah. just like a lot of things that you kind of have to process before you can even be sad of course um, and after a few days of kind of trying to do Christmas stuff and deal with it I just found like my dad lent me his house while he went away with his girlfriend yeah. and I was just like I have to watch Midsummer. I, ah, I like it wow. was like a I just was like there's nothing else I can do oh right my now God. I just have to wow. watch Midsummer. And, I, and it made me feel so much better. Well, so Midsummer is one that's, I mean, I'm pretty sure for like three days afterwards, I was like, I was still thinking about that yes. film. Like, mm. And my, actually it was, I think, because I find it quite interesting to see how like, especially for that film, how like men and women deal with it. Um, because my boyfriend, he was like, well, he was like, I didn't get that film. It was the worst film I've ever seen. Like he really mm-hmm. hated it. And I was like, oh no, I, I feel like I resonated with it. But I guess, you know, maybe because the, the main character is a female and it deals with a lot of things that I think perhaps females are more, you know, were maybe more in tuned with. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's really interesting here how you used it as like a way to deal with the things that you were going through. Yeah, if mm-hmm. I was like less worried about doing stuff to other people, I would prescribe. I would prescribe everyone horror films all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but the kind I, of yeah. doctorship. Yeah, basically. Like, I think that's yes. <laughs> But that's another really interesting point. Do you think? Do you, like either of you think that we you know? Do you think that women do have a specific relationship with horror that men don't? Because I know that previously, like maybe in like the. I don't know, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. there's this idea of like, men like horror and women go to horror films with them to like be scared and get a cuddle. Yeah. But now and but now I really think in like this century it's like this kind of phenomenon of like spooky girls, girls being really into horror. I feel like we've overtaken men a little bit in our like yeah. thirst for mm-hmm. for like being for scary stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I see it as kind of like so because you know, I guess women are always were meant to be like, you know, prim and proper and you like girly things and you, you know, adhere to liking fashion and makeup and, and children and all those kinds of things. That's kind of like the really, you know, archaic view of how women should act. And I almost feel like horror, like, and women liking horror is almost kind of like a rebellion. Oh, yeah. Because we're like, oh, we can yeah. be, you know, men are like, you know, even my dad, I remember him saying to me, he was like, oh, well, girls you know, normally girls wouldn't have tattoos and like blood and gore and scary things because that's for boys. And I was like, no, it's not. I was like, that's cool. I was like, it's cooler to be like this, Dad. I was like, listen to me. Um, Obviously now he's like, yeah, actually it's quite cool liking all those things. But I think it's almost, yeah, kind of like a rebellion because it's kind of like, actually, I can watch a scary film by myself at home. I don't need a boy to watch it with me. I'd rather watch it by myself. And it's almost like, you know, just 
to show kind of like you're strong and powerful and I think yeah it's I think females are kind of taking over the genre a bit and also you know in a lot of the older movies it was always the girl was the victim um, whereas nowadays you know it's kind of changing we're seeing more women become perpetrators yes yeah, yeah exactly mm. they're doing it and we were kind of going yeah that's cool we like that <laughs> get on board with that <laughs> so yeah, that's so true. Actually, Jennifer Kent, who also directed The Babadook, yeah. uh, when she was fundraising, because um, she actually turned... Initially, that film was a short, and then she, she developed it into a feature length. And in her uh, journey to develop the film, she was told by the industry, oh, women just don't watch horror movies, you know, like, forget <laughs> about it. And she actually went and did research, and she found scientific data that proved that it's basically split down the middle like 50 50 mm -hmm. viewers are absolutely like there's as many men as women who enjoy yeah. watching horror movies so this idea that there just isn't the audience you know uh in terms of women that that somehow our demographic makes us biologically like you know um there's this kind of exclusivity it's, it's actually not true simply not true because it's subjectivity is scary every living person who's a subject and who has a psyche and a past that's you know probably uh, has incurred trauma that is literally the only prerequisite you need to enjoy yeah. horror because because that stuff is scary exactly. and, we're, and, and we're processing our own issues through a language that sh reflects back to us all the scary stuff that's literally yeah. the only license you need to enter the genre yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's not about i mean i think some it's people, not gendered yeah yeah it's not it's not about gender at all that's the point like it's not yeah. you are or you're not so yeah, absolutely. I mean, with that said, uh, we can segue into the films because today we're going to be talking about um, Martyrs and American Mary. I actually think we should start with Martyrs because I feel like yeah. with American Mary, we end on a kind of interesting note that sort of resolves. Yeah, is that okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, before we recorded, the Mary always has like the perfect curation. Of oh, no. <laughs> I pay her to say that. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so, actually, just a bit of, uh, we can start with the synopsis of Martyrs. Yeah, I've got it So, this is actually a 2008 release. Yeah. It's a French. It's quite a while now. Yeah, quite a while. Yeah. Um, oh, we missed its anniversary. I know. Well, now we have to wait another, like, Another eight like, years. Yeah. <laughs> Another eight years. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's a French psychological horror drama film written and directed by Pascal Logier. Oh, thank you for saying that. I was trying to, I was trying to figure out how to do it. Um, is it French Canadian? Yeah. That's weird because we've got two Canadian films. I know, I know, exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so as a child, Lucy escapes from torture and confinement at the hands of mysterious captors and is taken in by an orphanage where she is befriended by the kind and also abused Anna. While she recovers physically, she is tormented by visions of a dead girl who attacks and cuts her, even though it is, sorry, though it is really Lucy inflicting harm on herself. As an adult, Lucy arrives at the house of a seemingly innocuous middle-class family and murders everyone with a shotgun. Anna follows her to the house to care for and clean up after Lucy, but further terrors are still to come, both from inside Lucy's head and the house itself. Perfect. 
Perfect. Well done. Okay. Um, <laughs> Not an easy film to synopsize, so I have to, just, I have to yeah. just stop at some point. No, that absolutely <laughs> covers everything. Um, and this was a very controversial film upon its release. Uh, it sort of polarized a lot of the critics. I think the screening at the Cannes Film Festival let, left a lot of people offended and like upset and yeah. whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, it's... <laughs> It's associated with the new French extremity movement, which we've talked about. Um, so the first thing I want to really ask both of you really is, yeah. what did you think when you first saw this film? Because almost, there's almost nothing like it out there. Yeah, I, I would agree that there's actually nothing quite like Martyrs. Mm. Um, I think the first time I saw it, because it was one of those films that when I was getting into extreme horror, it was always coming up um, on, you know, lists and IMDb and all those places. And I remember the first time I saw it, I almost couldn't kind of process what I had seen because I was still quite new to the genre itself. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, and I remember my friend, he really, he doesn't like horror, but he loves certain kind of films and Martyrs was one that he'd watched before me and he was like you're gonna love it and I met up with him and I was like I just don't even know how to talk about it I was like it's so powerful I was like that it's I just have no words to kind of describe it um and I think it still has that effect to some degree um and I think it's still very very controversial in many ways yeah visceral It's so extreme, isn't it? It is. Although, I have to say, I mean, there's a thing that sort of people say when they've watched Martyrs where they say, like, I don't, I didn't enjoy it. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's, I think it's very good film. So I actually enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm here to just admit that I actually, I actually really enjoy the film. I think, yeah, it is, I enjoy that relationship between those women. And, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think it's brilliant. It's great. Um, I watched it also as... Some I probably haven't watched ever watched anything that extreme before, and but I watched that um, essay film, that Charlie Lynn essay film, Fear yeah. Itself, um, which is like it's an iPlayer, but it's just like kind of like a little like almost like a montage of horror films. And yeah. So we're talking about the experience of watching horror. I watched that. I used to work in a vintage shop with this girl Ellis. Uh, we had no customers. It was a very expensive vintage shop. It was in Pimlico in like this sort of side street. No customers <laughs> all day, so we used to sit down and watch films. And we watched <laughs> film, we watched Fear itself, and there's a clip from Martyrs in it. It's sort of the clip of right at the end where she's where she's skinned, mm. and um, <laughs> so just to get just to get into the spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and we finished this this sort of film, and, and she was like. I Martyrs and I was like I do too let's just do it so we watched it in this like amongst oh these like like these sort of like Aussie Clark dresses and like fur coats just in this shop but every time someone came in we like had to pause it but, yeah and we just kind of watched it. and it's like it's a really short film it's like you know, it's yeah, 90 yeah. minutes yeah. obviously yeah. and I think at the time I was kind of um god all my stories are so depressing but I was quite depressed at the time hmm. and I was um I was I like, kind of gone through like quite a horrible breakup and I was quite angry and I think I saw in the film the sort of two ways that I could go yeah in a way like I felt mm-hmm. I felt like I feel like I saw in Lucy and Anna the two ways that I could sort of go from here if I held on to this or if I let it go mm-hmm. and I think to me that's what the film is it's kind of it is like these sort of dual like directions that you can take from yeah. a re- and I think maybe I'm inter- quite interested in in horror and the extreme because 
having sort of felt quite having been in quite an extreme mental space or felt yeah. quite extreme emotions which I think everyone has at some point when you do feel those feelings you're you feel very kind of separate from the, everyone else you yeah. feel like everyone would yeah. rather if not if not necessarily rather you weren't there but rather you would just stop doing you know doing yeah. this making these decisions feeling this way crying all the time all that kind of thing and there's something about the way that most respectable people sort of ex- like react to horror of like keep that away from me and react yeah. to your like extreme moods and please keep that away from me that mm. there is I think when you're in an extreme place you can find comfort in the, when you're with the the rest of the extreme yeah. you feel less True. alone yeah so yeah. yeah I had a very profound first experience wow. and then watching it again I was really kind of I was like I'm not sure if I can do this again it's really I'm in a much happier place yeah and then I watched it again and I was like I don't know what I was scared of it's really it's like there are some really extreme things in it but it's really it kind of builds up to them quite gradually and you can it's all like you can take it yeah know? yeah I mean, you've like you've taught this, so you've yes. like been in a room of people who like you've told to watch it in preparation. <laughs> <laughs> so you're responsible for other people. Other people. I'm a merchant of markers. I mean, I'm pleased to report that I, I did not get any negative feedback. Like, nobody wow. came back and was like, uh, how the hell did you, you know, who do you think you are? Because that's always what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that I'm going to push someone's boundaries yeah. and put them in a place where they're not ready, you know, yeah. and they're going to confront this material and feel upset. Mm-hmm. Um, but mainly because when I was a kid, I used to do that to my brother and sister all the time. Like I used to like, I was the oldest, so I used to get like video nasties and make them watch it. Not out of like sadism, but purely because I loved horror movies and I just assumed that all other kids had the same reaction as me. You know, I I knew it was fake, so it didn't, it it didn't give me nightmares. It didn't make me feel scared. I just loved it. I thought it was cool. I liked the aesthetic. But that wasn't the case for my brother and sister. But to be fair, they were like three and four, so <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, "Don't want to watch that." <laughs> it's probably not age things. appropriate. Um, but yeah, I mean, with martyrs, um, I didn't get anybody at least reporting back that they were upset. If anything, I think it really uh, proved to them that it's kind of like what you were saying that they could be confronted with that material and survive it. It's it's yeah. always worse in your head. Whatever exactly. you're imagining is worse than what you actually confront. And in a way, that is the theme of the film. Yeah. Because with like in Lucy's case, she's been held in this terrible um, place where she's been systematically brutalized and tortured. Yeah. She escapes um, and she starts to actually harbor a lot of guilt about a lady that, that she didn't that she didn't save. Yeah. help to yeah. save. But she was, I mean, she was supposedly a child herself. Absolutely. So, you know, she couldn't have... She, there was nothing she could have done. No. But of course, it's... The guilt is, yeah, it's it's almost what kind of keeps driving exactly. driving her to go forward. You know, battling her own guilt. Her own demons. Of, yeah, yeah. It, because it does materialise as, you know, a demon that is almost to her a physical presence yeah. in her life. Um, but obviously not to anyone else. No. But I think as well, Martyrs, I think a lot of people perhaps find Martyrs easier to watch because it actually um, has more of a storyline and it kind of, you know, has a purpose yeah. to it. Whereas, you know, there's a lot of other extreme films where a lot of people 
don't want to watch it because they kind of go, well, what's the purpose? It's yeah. just to be horrible for no reason whatsoever. And even when I was re-watching Martyrs this time, my boyfriend said he didn't want to watch it with me. Okay. But I was watching the last, like, ten minutes in bed, and he kept on being like, oh, because... Um, Obviously, it's in uh, it's in French, and he he understands French, and he kept being like, "Oh, this actually sounds really interesting." And uh -huh. he started watching, it and he was a bit like, "Whoa, what's going on?" But he said he was like, "I'm so intrigued by what it's kind of trying to confront and what it's trying to say, even though it's so extreme in terms of imagery." So mm -hmm. I think that's maybe you know why people that have seen it don't come back with negative because they see that there's more to the film than just it's not just gratuitous stuff yeah. yeah it's not just gratuitous violence for the hell of it there mm. is actually a logical reason why this is shown and yeah. everything makes sense uh, it has a kind of internal um, integrity I guess mm -hmm. and what really kind of fascinates me is um, this idea that a cult or a so-called like secret philosophical society they're behind all of this. So they're yeah. all the torture that has been inflicted, uh, the fact that Lucy was held against her will for a year and tortured, she couldn't help somebody else. She escapes, but she sustains a feeling of guilt towards that other person who was also victimized. She, she carries all this trauma with her for years. And she goes back to exact re revenge on this family, which to me, that looked a bit like funny games. I thought it was going to be a movie like that, where yeah. a poor, unsuspecting, you know, innocent family is like brutalized for no reason. They're violated in their home and we're meant to be feeling like sympathy with the family. But then we realize that actually these were the perpetrators, like the parents of that family. Um, they were they're part of this society that captures people, inflicts this torture, systematically brutalizes them. And they do this because it's an experiment to find out, to kind of separate the victims from the martyrs yeah. and how victims are people who cannot... So what it is, they when they're tortured, they simply remain on the platform of just being mad. So they, they carry this trauma and they just remain in the realm of madness. Martyrs are people who manage to sustain the torture, accept it, and then transcend, and they reach this level of so-called transfiguration. Yeah. That they're like enlightened and they get a glimpse into the afterlife. Yeah. And that's what these experimenters or these like cult members, they're trying to do. They're trying to get data about the afterlife through the systematic torture so that they can hear back from a martyr what it is they saw in yeah. the afterlife and get that data with them to it's like epist epistemo what is it epistemologically uh yeah whatever that word <laughs> epistemology um <laughs> sorry we'll take a word for it. <laughs> um yeah it's like the philosophy around knowledge like how do we yeah. know what we know how did we access that knowledge right mm -hmm. so um th th and this to me is interesting because there's so much i think this film is really about trauma uh, yeah. like from a theoretical perspective mm -hmm. that we take for granted the trauma that we've sustained and we'd like to hope that we've like overcome what happened to us and we've reached a place of enlightenment that in fact we've now entered into an afterlife of uh, you know what, happened to, what happened to us yeah. we've moved past it ideally yeah. we are the martyrs of our lives because yeah. we can say that we've evolved so much we're so enlightened yeah. you know and but we've, we've glimpsed into something more evolved than merely being victims. 
Well, I think that's true, actually, because, you know, you think, like, if you go through a trauma, I mean, you can kind of, you know, say if someone dies in your life or something, you can live the rest of your life kind of, you know, letting it affect you every single day, going through, you know, being really upset about it, um, not doing certain things because you're letting, you know, a past trauma affect you, might be, you know, playing into, like, anxieties and stuff, which I think, you know, is not always you can't always stop those things. It's kind of based on your personality, but at the same time, there's also the fact that, you know, if you do go through a really bad trauma in your life, you can kind of go, okay, well, how am I gonna make this, make me stronger and kind of push me forward yeah. in life? You know, and I'm sure there's lots of people that we all know that have gone through horrific things in their life that we perhaps don't even have an idea about because we go, oh, well, you know, they're such strong people, they're always happy, positive, and then you start <laughs> to talk to them and they go, well, this happened in my life, and you're like, what the fuck? I would have never guessed it. And yeah, like you said, I guess they've kind of become the martyr of their own life because it does, it can, well, what's the saying? What doesn't kill you makes you strong. Yeah. It's a bit cheesy, but it's quite true. It's like it does kind of, it can really project you as a person and make you kind of go well fuck all of that if I can overcome all of those things I am you know I'm always more than what the trauma is trying to make me and I think yeah Lucy in the film she obviously she can't she can't let go of no. the trauma whereas Anna she does she just kind of lets go and that's where it goes yeah. into the martyrdom yeah there's sort of two really interesting moments that kind of illustrate those different sort of approaches and also the fact that the film is so kind of relentless mm -hmm. it's i think that sort of does illustrate that that like it doesn't matter where like what you want life will do that to you you know yeah. life like yeah. you know, bad things will happen you will have trauma it's not going to stop just because you want it to yeah so and it's and they yeah, do have true. and i think there's sort of this the really interesting scene where Anna calls her mother and yeah. she's in a she's been in an orphanage and the mother sort of says, Like, is this gonna be about all the things I did to you? Like, are you gonna call you know? And yeah. she's like, No, I just I just wanna talk to you. And it's a very interesting scene of like and just a very interesting kind of illustration of Anna's entire personality that like that this is someone who's clearly responsible for a lot of bad things and all she wants to really do is just kind of forgive her and talk yeah. to her and like she's got this like this like it's hugely wow. kind of accepting mindset, and then there's a moment where Lucy well, talks to her sort of sort of the demon that's pursuing her. Yeah. And she says to her, she and like her voice kind of cracks and she sounds like a child and she says to her, "But I even killed the children." Like, and she's like, and it's sort of like this kind of oh, wow. this has shaped my life. I have not done anything else but do but you know be affected by this. Yeah. And it's still not working. Yeah, really powerful. Yeah, oh and I guess you've also got with Anna because you know when she finds um, the mother of the family still alive, even though she knows what they did to Lucy, she still tries to save her because she's mm -hmm. you know That's regardless true. of everything that she wow. is supposedly have done, she tries to save the like Gabrielle. another human life. And then mm -hmm. I think you see as well when Anna finds um, the the woman in the basement who's been tortured, yeah. Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know you kind of think about it and you think like 
how you know she goes to such lengths to try and save her and help her and it shows you know what uh what like you were saying what kind of character is that she's so forgiving of everyone she so wants to just help she is like a really it doesn't matter how like traumatic or awful the things that are happening in front of her she perseveres through all of them consistently mm -hmm. um and i think it just shows like what a strong character she is that's true that's and actually so true. Sarah for me even though like you have this very kind of extended sort of torture scenes for like the second half of the film and it's yeah. like you know it ends up in a, as I've said a skinning um, <laughs> and like it, it's for me Sarah is the most horrifying part of the film mm. yeah Just, like, and I think that the way that she looks, it's like she's almost like a physical manifestation of trauma. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just like, yeah. get that away from me. I think yeah. it's like what most people's reaction. And yeah, like, the you fact would be terrified. If I just, saw that, I would be like, yeah. what the fuck is that? Yeah, yeah it's not. terrifying. Yeah, that's like, it's like someone who's so, who's so abused and so traumatised and they've just like, they just look like trauma. They just look mm -hmm. like violence. And yeah. Like, and the fact that Anna mm -hmm. can kind of see her as, something to look after as opposed to something to sort of back wow. away from yeah it's just really it's kind of really illustrative like is like there's like a you know there's like Sarah looks a lot like Lucy's dead girl yeah you know, yeah, really similar. yeah and you know Lucy like could not bear to be you know it's such a strange relationship yeah, but it's terrified of that yeah and wow. like and you know Sarah is Anna's dead girl and Sarah just like puts her in the bath and like, yeah. holds her hand and, and you know that's incredible. Yeah, that is really, so true because yeah. actually what that says to me is that those are the moments throughout the movie where it's foreshadowing the fact that Anna is capable of transfiguration. Yeah. She's able she's there's something in her that even though she had a really rough life herself and she she was abused or she was neglected and abandoned, she has her own familiar, you know, her own checkered history with her family, she still hasn't it hasn't completely stripped her of her um, kind of humanity and yeah. she's still able to access something very much autonomously um, that allows her to break higher ground and transcend. That's why she's kind of the ideal subject for these torturers because yeah. they want to access the afterlife because there's something in her profile, in Anna's profile, where she accesses the afterlife of trauma. She's yeah. she she can she's able to be a human and not merely just be completely motivated and driven by, um, let's say revenge like Lucy was. Yeah. Uh, because because even in Lucy's case, none of it mattered. She still committed suicide even after she she killed the entire yeah. family. Well, and I guess also kind of Lucy almost she removes herself from like humanity yeah. because you know she becomes what wow. she becomes what they were she mm -hmm. goes and she kills the, the the parents but she kills innocent children, children who had nothing to do with that then you know and it's the way she kind of batters the mother and even when Anna's trying to grab her she hits Anna the one person who's her friend been trying to look after her and then you know she goes and she kills herself after doing all of that and it's almost like yeah. she's almost like not human herself no. whereas like you were saying you know with Anna she she's still regardless of everything she sees everyone else as a human but she still recognizes herself as a human and doesn't become just you know just the victim which is wow. like the purpose of it isn't it it's just she kind of doesn't allow herself to go I'm going to be molded by these things I'm still a human regardless of what's yeah. happened to me which I think is quite she's transcendent yeah yeah but that's interesting wow. what you say about Lucy because I, I 
the first time I watched it, and I think this is something that people noticed, I think that maybe a lot of the critics might have focused on. There is like a, a kiss between the two main characters. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then I think I remember, like one of my favorite reviews is like someone <laughs> saying, like it was like these like women in like slipping around in like, like in bloody knickers. Like, you know, it's just like this mm-hmm. idea of this like quite sort of this, um, you know, like this idea of it just being exploitation. Right, and, um, okay. And so in, like, it's interesting because that really kind of explains the kiss in a way because there, yeah. like, there is this kiss and Lucy doesn't want the kiss. And that's almost like Lucy like saying no to humanity. Yeah. 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 And like, I guess it's yeah. Anna still seeing, you know, even though, because Lucy's fucked up. Like, mm. she really, really is. And it's still, and it's Anna still seeing past all of that and going, you're still a human capable of love and yeah. me of loving you. But like you said, Lucy's like, no, I can't. You know, any other emotion that's not coming from her trauma, she doesn't want. You know, even the friendship, mm. you can see it's all kind of like Anna is the one that holds that friendship together. Mm. Lucy is just, and you know, Anna goes with her to do all this horrible stuff, yeah. helps to try and get rid of the bodies, to, you know, mm. save her from everything. And Lucy is just, all she cares about is basically herself. Um, and, you know, wow. that's, she doesn't really care about anyone else. Her whole identity is wrapped up in this, in this trauma. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's absolutely no other, uh, growth or personal development for her no. aside from being very much stunted and it's kind of like PTSD actually it made yeah. me think like the way that PTSD functions where uh, the people who survive the trauma if it becomes patho- pathological every single day they're just when through their flashbacks through their night terrors all the symptoms of PTSD where they intensely relive the pain of the trauma every single day they're just still trapped in the prism of that horrible event. Mm -hmm. Or in the case of complex trauma, like several horrible events. So it's a bit like Lucy's, that kind of a very extreme, excessive representation of PTSD where your whole life is just absolutely uh, dominated by what happened to you in the past. You're just, every single day is just a repetition of reliving the past. And, And you cannot grow out of that. Like that's how it, you know, it, it's really, really scary, and it's um, it, those kinds of pathological mental states are so beautifully expressed in the horror medium because you can really get the emotional aspect of it. Yeah, and I think that, yeah, I suppose I, I, I don't want to say that um, everyone who is infected with PTSD is a victim, not at all, um, but maybe more that. The, the experiential reality of daily reliving the pain and feeling like you're still being tortured, having hallucinations of your perpetrator or the abuse every day, even in the absence of it, that's not, you haven't actually transcended or transfigured your pain. You're yeah. just still caught up and trapped in that little prison. Yeah. So I like the, 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 the kind of dichotomy in this film because we're getting this alternative approach through Anna. She's she still kept her humanity. And mm-hmm. even when she's, it, it's so, that, that final sequence when Anna's imprisoned by the society and they're beating her, oh. they're cutting her hair, they're like, it's just the worst. Some of, like, it almost seems silly to say that it's worse than all the gory stuff we've watched up until that moment, but it's just to watch someone be broken you know yeah. and yet she's still she's skinned alive she's flayed I believe is the thank you flayed, that's that's flayed. Um, 
That sounds so like glamorous, but it's like literally like skin alive. Um, yeah. I'll just flay this. Just flay this monster and then I'll be right with you. <laughs> <laughs> and then we can eat. <laughs> but it's so interesting because while they're doing this to her, so they're they're kind of following their usual program of like breaking somebody down, trying mm-hmm. to get them to that place where their eyes like change and they start to glimpse into some mystical ethereal event beyond our dimension and sure enough it works like Mm -hmm. Anna reaches that level the final stage as it were right that's how they call it now I really I really want to find out from both of you what happened because so she tells Mademoiselle right the leader of this cult uh, she whispers to her and like this all the members of the cult are like gathered to find out what it is that Anna yeah. saw, right? Yep. And then she says something. We don't. We as the audience don't find out what was said, what was actually reported in terms of what was glimpsed at. And then Mademoiselle bef- goes into this room, and then one of her colleagues was like, "What was it exactly that? Uh, what did what did Anna tell you?" And 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 then Mademoiselle said, "Keep doubting." And then she killed herself. And then herself. she kills herself, yeah. She, she blows her brains out with a gun. So what what is it? Like, there's so many theories on the internet about what was said. Why did this leader of the cult feel compelled to kill herself? Like, what do you think? Well, I guess it's... I mean, it could be one or the other. I guess it's either... Well, I because I was thinking, though, if it's something that awful, then surely you wouldn't want to kill yourself, right? Because you're going to want to not... I mean, whatever is in the afterlife, if it's that bad, then you want to survive you as delay long it. as possible. <laughs> so it must be something good. It must be like paradise wow. to want to go there immediately. Um, I mean, that's the only thing I can think that it yeah, could be because otherwise I was like, you know, if she said, oh, it's suffering and it's hell, I mean, you're not going to go, all right let's get on with it then or perhaps you are I mean that's that's, and then I'm like well maybe you just go if I'm close enough maybe the weight is agony if you knew you know maybe if you knew you were about to enter into hell would it be more agonising to be waiting in anticipation or to just kind of go well let me make the decision to enter now and get over and done with but then on the flip side it might be that she went oh it's complete paradise and she went yeah that's where I want to go right now I'm going to leave and I'm going to get there wow that's so true yeah I have to say I know it's really like it makes me seem like a very uncurious person but I've never Hmm. been that interested in what it meant I think because I felt that it was like it was the same as your average even though it's very inventive I've always kind of thought it was like another kind of spurious like you know it's just like sore or something it's like what who cares what your reason is for like inflicting this it's, like, yeah. it's not real like the, the only thing that's real is the suffering and what that means wow. but i suppose maybe i think maybe so maybe i kind of always thought it was something along those kinds of lines of like a search for mademoiselle's search it kind of mirrors lucy's in that finding like what you wanted or what you were looking for doesn't change wow. anything 
mm. or make anything better. Well, I guess perhaps um, she said there's nothing after. Yeah, maybe there is maybe, nothing. And they've, at the gone, end of they've done all of that to all of those women that like gone through her life being so horrific and doing the worst of the worst as a human for for nothing. And I guess then you would just go, well, fuck everything. Yeah. Then like yeah. if it is just and it would nothing. Only be Anna that wouldn't mind that there's nothing because yeah. she's so zen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. she's like yeah. I think that's yeah. The, I think maybe that's the thing. I think that's like maybe the lesson. There, but she's a bit like a Lucy figure in the sense yeah. that yeah. she comes to t- she actually realizes <coughs> that her her entire life's work has been for nothing mm-hmm. yeah and she cannot be alive one more second to face the reality of that and she'd rather be dead yeah mm-hmm. I think yeah I think the film is the journey yes not the ending I There's agree so much packed into the rest of the film <laughs> with like complex things that I think, yeah, I think, because a lot of people talk about the end and they go, oh, but I, you know, when I first, that was what my friend said, he was like, oh, but what's the last bit about? And I was like, like you said, I was like, I actually think it's, it's actually more about all of the, the rest. And that's just, yes, it's a good ending. It's very good. You know, it does kind of go, oh, leave you with a question, but the rest of it's far more interesting. Oh, yeah than that last part. And in a way, you know, acknowledging that, that the whole journey and the material we're left with is so much more important to engage with than just that final bit is actually really reassuring because it makes me feel like, oh, the final answer to all of this is kind of immaterial. It's what I do with everything that happened to me all these years right now that matters. It's not, it's not, so in a way they're just saying like, it's not goal oriented, like fuck that, you know, let's, and in that sense, it's actually quite psychoanalytic because that's yeah. the principle of psychoanalysis that you, 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 the idea is not that you go through these sessions and you get the final answer at the end and your analyst is going to be like, this is what your problem is. Like, it's yeah. never going to happen. No. You're never going to get anything easily like handed to you on a platter. You have to work and you have to look back and engage and confront and try and break higher yeah, ground. Yeah, going through that, you know, a couple of my friends have started uh, therapy and they were going, oh, you know, do you think I'll, I'll ha- when will I <laughs> end it? And I was like, well, I have ever other th- friends who have been going through it for five, six years. And I was like, and they said it's, it's not something they see that, that one day they'll just go, oh, well, I'm cured now mm-hmm. and my problems are fine. It's a, it's a continuous thing yeah. because, you know, you get over one trauma and then another thing happens yeah. and that, that kind of affects you. So then it's, I think, Martyrs is the journey that we go through to get to that ending. And then if it is nothing, then it's, it's kind of, it's almost like a metaphor for life, isn't it? Cause, it really is. You know, we get to the end, we go, all right, and now we die. But I feel like we can, from here, we can actually talk about American Mary. Yes. yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because it's a good segue, actually, because this is someone who's really taking matters into her own hands, too. Yes. Like, but in a very different way. A very different way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so before you read your uh, synopsis, so this is a 2012 release. It's a Canadian horror film starring Catherine Isabel, who I love. From Ginger Exactly. Directed by Jen and Sylvia Suska. Mary is a star medical student. Aren't you so excited that it's Mary? (laughs) Um, Training to be a surgeon and struggling with mounting financial worries. She seeks employment as a dancer at a CD strip club, but during her interview, she's called upon to perform emergency surgery on one of the club's shady associates in the basement in exchange for $5,000. 
Word of her talent spread and she is approached by Beatrice to perform a different kind of unlicensed surgery. Soon she is immersed in the world of extreme body modification. Well, the first time I actually watched this film, I hated it. Mm. I really didn't connect with it. Um, and when you guys mentioned it, I was like, oh, I'm going to have to watch that again. I was like, <laughs> and I was like, and I don't want to go on and be really negative about it. And I, I was dreading re-watching it because the first time, I don't know what kind of mood I was in. Um, I watched it with a friend, but I just remember really, really not liking it at all, thinking it was really like a dumb kind of movie and then I so I rewatched it and this time around I was like oh I did not expect to like this as much as ah, I did interesting. and I don't know whether it's just being in different places in life or or perhaps being a bit more experienced in certain elements of things or being more open-minded but yeah this time around I absolutely loved it and the first time I hated it so I'm very I, I was very happy that actually I was like oh okay I like I'm it now to it, really. <laughs> yeah because when you first mentioned I was like well, is it that good I was like for wow. martyrs to go with American Hour, I was like this seems like a sin to me but now <laughs> I'm like, and then afterwards I was like oh no that was a really good double bill actually I was like they, they fit together very well so yeah, I think so. yeah. that reminds me of the time that Mary <laughs> suggested we do Pretty Woman on like our last season and I was like you cannot be serious and then I watched it like through the framework of what we were talking about yeah. and I was just like yeah no I can see why we should do that <laughs> it, is, it was risky definitely because it's not I mean I wouldn't even call it an extreme horror film yeah. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't really show you anything yeah. like horrifying. It's just kind of the theme, the theme of like people li like living with extremity in their day to day lives. Yeah. Is yes. what kind of interests and in, like interests me about. And I actually yeah. hadn't when we suggested it to you, Mary had taught it, but I hadn't seen it. Oh, so I, I didn't know like, that. Yeah, I hadn't seen it. I was just like, I trust, I trust you. You were kind of like into doing like surgery things. Yeah. With excision. Just, yeah, with excision. Oh, oh excision is an awesome film as well. You've seen that, right? No. Oh, that yeah. one's yeah, it's very good. Yeah, we'll mm -hmm. fit it in one day. We will <laughs> but yeah, we just wanted to. We knew we wanted to discuss extremity, and that's, that's yeah. what we chose. But yeah, it was. Um, I really, I loved. I, I enjoyed it. I definitely thought there is something about it that is jarring. Like mm. she's there. She's not in a way not as well formed as a character. Or like mm. no, I wouldn't actually say not as well formed, but she's more mysterious as a character. It's really yeah. hard to know. <laughs> What motivates her? She's got a poker face. She does have a poker face, <laughs> and like her, her delivery is really strange. Like, I think <laughs> I really liked that about her. Too. I liked that she was mysterious and kind of kept herself to herself, and never, you know, entertained anyone or anything. Like I, I don't know. There's something. Her character's almost. It feels not quite fleshed out, but fleshed out enough to go kind of resonate with it and really like it at the same yeah. time and I was like I want to be American Mary I was like that's what I want to do for my life and um, yeah at, at Halloween I had a, a costume that looked very similar to that because yeah. I did audition and a couple of people said are you American Mary and at the time I was like no American Mary sucks and now, and now I'm like why didn't I just go as American yeah, Mary I was like well I've still got the apron and the gloves and I said to my boyfriend I was like I might just because it was my birthday soon so I was like, I might dress as that for my party. It was like, there's no theme. I was like, I might dress as that for my party. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could 
dress like that in life. It's like a great. I thought that's a good as well. I've been looking for another apron for a while, just so that I can have. Just I think it's, you could go to work in that. Hell yeah, yeah. It's like it's gorgeous. We we'll start a new trend. Just eBay. Okay. I'll send you the link. Thank you. Thank you. That's great. What is your zodiac sign, by the way? Pardon. Your star sign. Uh, Aquarius. Oh, you're Aquarius. Okay, yes. so that's what has by your birthday coming up soon. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Also, why I'm a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was thinking about this character, and I think she was, mm. I think American Mary's a Scorpio. Just because, yeah. Yeah. just because yeah. she's got that kind of, like, her mysteriousness. Like, she, she probably uh, sustains a lot of, like, the hurt and things that have happened to her, but she doesn't let it show. She's, like, yeah. she's got this, like, cool exterior where she projects uh, a persona where she's super tough. And, you know, she'll kick your ass. You yeah. know, and I kind of like that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, we never actually see her. I don't. Do you actually? I don't think we see her smile in the film. Yeah, she doesn't come across as someone that you would want to go for like a drink with or a coffee no. with. She's very to the point. A lone, lo- lone wolf. Yeah, a lone wolf. Um, yeah. Which I guess kind of makes her like enduring to a point because you. You know, it's, I think it's why, like, Beatrice is so, you know, she's constantly like, oh, I want to hang out with you, I want to take you for <laughs> a coffee. Like, yeah, everyone's everyone, like in love with her. Yeah, and, you know, and, I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, everyone loves her. But maybe it is just, like, that mysterious element that she has about her. And maybe it's because they're also kind of scared of her. Because, you know, she is, she's quite frightening. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's pretty frightening at times. And the fact that she wants to exact revenge is also very Scorpio. I can I can say that because both me and Sarah are Scorpio, so we're okay. like we understand, we know exactly what's happening. Yeah, they are yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's such a it's such a swift revenge. Like, oh my god! Take more time to plan, but I know yeah. it just happens. The next day, this one is yeah. well. I <sighs> thought I think it's quite interesting how. She obviously goes through the rape and it's it's actually a really like quite a pretty traumatic scene. Yeah. Um and I think I forgot how Oh it's awful horrible it is. Um, you know, and how unsuspecting and naive she is to it. Um obviously she's she's very young in this, she's just trying to get her doctorate. Um and I think it's quite, you know, relevant as well to a lot of women, of course, you know, who yeah. have, you know, many of us have experienced abuse especially at the hands of people that have power when you're trying to you know through work through education and you do things that you think are going to further you obviously she doesn't go there kind of thinking that um but she goes there to hopefully make new connections yeah, and networking then, and he he abuses her um and then yeah i quite like how the next day she wakes up she sees him and she just kind of goes right okay well fuck you I'm, I'm going to do the only thing that I should do, which is get revenge on you. And she doesn't even really let it affect her. Mm-hmm. She just takes the next, maybe quite an extreme approach. But I was just like, yeah, I think, think that, I was like, I think that is the most logical next step to take. And most of us would go, yes, if we could do that, yeah, if we were talented and skilled enough to do that, and we had enough, like, sort of shady guys that we could give money to. If I had access to a scalpel, I would do it. Yeah, yeah. A little warehouse to keep them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do wish she'd just finish him off though. He is really disgusting. Like what she is just like, oh, it's a yeah. bit, But isn't yeah. finishing him off doing him a favor? He's doing because everyone a favor because he's gross. He's gross. <laughs> <laughs> that's the ultimate revenge is that he gets to be undead, as it were, mm. living yeah. this monstrous life every day. 
and he she's completely disempowered him. That's the yeah. problem with revenge, though, because you know you now you've got a pet monster. I know, <laughs> I know. It's a and huge it's downside. Like, <laughs> Sarah is a manifestation of trauma. He's like a manifestation of revenge. It's like now you've got yeah. like, <laughs> something in the like uh, basement to take care of. Yeah. Like, yeah. Too much work. Too much work. Yeah. Too much work. Yeah. Too much work. Too much work. Too much work. Too um, I thought I taught it at the Ford Museum, where I picked up on this psychoanalytic idea to do with uh, centers of power and hoarding power, right? Like mm-hmm. discursively and like narratively, but also in real life, like actual in- interpersonal power between people. And so when I'm looking at this film, so she's trying to prove herself as a budding doctor. She's she's specializing in surgery. She wants mm-hmm. to be taken seriously. Um, and she's devoting herself to it. And that's why she agrees to go to this party with the other like professors at her university because she wants them to, I guess, integrate her into that circle. That's yeah. really her only motivation. When things go awry at this party, and she's then uh, obviously witnessing lewd acts being performed, her drink is uh, spiked, and she's basically roofied. Uh, that, that scene really disturbed me, actually. Like, the, at the party when it's she's starting to get hazy. Yeah. And we see what's going on with other women who've been drugged, too. Mm-hmm. And the way they're talking to her, it's well, so like, fucked up. Even when she arrives and the way oh, yeah. that, that guy is so, like, he doesn't say his name. And when he gives her the drink and he's like, drink. And, then, you know, and he's looking at her and he's like, drink, drink, drink. And then they bring over another drink. Right. And it's almost like, you know, they're all just there watching her, waiting for her to drink. And then, yeah, like you said, there's all these kind of things that she can see going on. It's so predatory. They're just yeah. waiting for the effect of the drug to yeah. kick in so they can violate her. And sure enough, she is drugged and raped by her teacher, yeah. by the very yeah. person who's supposed to be a mentor, you know, a positive influence in her mm-hmm. life, a representation of power, uh, but it's supposed to be a positive representation of that. And instead, yeah. he's abused his position. So I think that's really important um, ideologically and, 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 and sort of theoretically in the film because her response to that terrible abuse and exploitation is that she starts to completely renounce her aspiration to be an impressive object for this teacher. Yeah. Because when she, when she um, has her like contacts kidnap him and bring him to her flat and he's like strapped to this thing and he can't move and he's got this contraption in his mouth and he, she starts to explain what she's going to do to him mm-hmm. um, she says I quit med school today like she opens with that yeah and that to me that's Im- important because it's absolutely rejecting the center of power that's supposed to dominate over her she's com- she's a castrating agent she's removing his status symbol, his limbs, his everything. Like she's stripping him from every signifier of power that he always clung to. And so in that regard, um, it's sort of like the roles are reversed. Uh, She uses him as live practice material for extreme surgeries and then uses the pictures of his modifications as the portfolio to base her business on. Yeah. 
and to me, the, the thing that resonates is in psychoanalysis, there's this idea around the phallus, like that's spoken about. We've not, never actually really talked about this on our no, podcast. You did refer to our microphone as, as I did, didn't I? So you must have it on your mind. Phallus on the brain. Um, <laughs> it's basically, so this is actually a really funny term in a way for what it actually designates because um, for Freud, the phallus literally just meant the male anatomy, like the penis. Yeah. And for, for Lacan, for Jacques Lacan, the, his kind of um, successor, because he was more into like um, linguistics and post-structuralist uh, philosophy, he went beyond just the male anatomy. He said that the phallus is actually um, a kind of imaginary, um, it has imaginary and symbolic functions that refer to actually the center where signification is um, anchored in everything that we understand, i.e. it's basically a center of power. It is not a gendered thing. There can be phallic women. Okay. And Mary is a phallic woman. Okay. She's reclaimed power for herself. She's completely demolished the center of power of these surgeons and what they've done to her, how they've exploited their power, they've yeah. abused her. And she's re reversed the roles where she's now captured them and completely stripped them of their agency and their, their autonomy the way they did to her. Yeah. She's exacting this, the same level of domination of power over them. It's um, the, the phallus in psychoanalysis is a particularly priv privileged signifier that inaugurates the, po the process of signification. Um, and for Lacan, he said that a lot of the times our whole language is actually phallocentric in the sense that it privileges uh, men's um, you know, position in the world and society. So he did believe that there's a patriarchy it should be demolished. Mm -hmm. um, and he, that's why he also explained that in relation to a phallocentric discourse, women feel alienated in response to that. They're not really represented. Yeah. So because of that, because we're kind of inherently not accepted in a phallocentric discourse, it's hard for men to imagine what we're like. And so they fantasize about us. They try and fill in the gap about us. And we do the same for, for ourselves of because course. our language doesn't represent us. Yeah. So I think American Mary is a really good example of the phallus in, like represented in film because she has the wherewithal through her. She's taken all of the signifiers of everything she learned in, in school, in medical school, like yeah. all her knowledge about surgeries. And she's weaponized them against her perpetrators who are meant to be her masters. Yeah. She's completely flipped the flipped script. It. It's brilliant. Yeah, and I guess she also kind of like abuses and uses him. You know, yeah. exactly what he did to her. He abused her and used her for his own sexual needs. And she does the same. Like you said, you know, she built her entire business <laughs> off using him and abusing him to be able to go further and you know that is completely kind of like the other way around um which is really interesting to see that is really interesting because i did as i was watching it i was thinking like there was it was a bit similar to joker actually in the way that all of the you know all of the everyone thing that happens at the hospital in this like upper strata of society is like almost like needlessly bleak like it's like mm. it's jarring it feels weird they're creepy no yeah. one's nice no one's good and then in this like world where everyone's like committing a crime or like a little bit weird everyone's super nice and sweet 
like you know like all of the like body modification people are like really lovely yeah. and like this like guy at the club who like has people beaten up is like really really sweet yeah, yeah he just likes, <laughs> he just her, likes like... her and and I was like this is like very I was just like oh I don't know I and mean, before you explained that I was like this seems like a bit simplistic a bit over the top but actually maybe that is the Suska sisters thing they are like critiquing like acceptable society exactly and it's yeah sort of hypocrisy exactly well, yeah because yeah. i mean it's like you you look at i mean actually it's i watched um hail satan documentary the other day uh, and they talk about you know how you look at uh, christianity and of course we're not going to get into the whole religion thing but you know they were saying how you look at like typical christianity and they're always seen as like the do-gooders and the nice people and they were like but actually you know there's been certain um characters and things where you know they've come out and there's there's paedophilia happening there's child abuse and then they were saying like we were the satanic temple and people think we do sacrifices and we worship satan we hate everyone and we you know want everyone to die and burn and they were like and actually you know they were going out they were providing free sanitary care <laughs> to young girls they were doing community service they were protecting animals and they were like we are actually the do-gooders we are trying to make the world a better place and they were like but we are seen as evil in the world when they're not evil at all and i think american mary shows that like you said you know the doctors who supposedly save lives you know create a better world for everyone um they're actually doing horrible things and they keep making jokes going, I get to cut people up for a living. They they enjoy it, they yeah. revel in it and they're almost like sick fucks that are doing, that we go, oh, but doctors, amazing, amazing. Right. Obviously, I'm pretty sure most doctor, normal doctors are hopefully yeah. not, not like the doctors in America, Mary, yeah. but, you know, it's almost showing that higher power authority, even though they're high up and they have the power doesn't necessarily that they mean that they're the good in the world and you know the people that are you know like me for instance i'm tattooed and i remember when mm. i was, you know, was young and i started getting tattooed people were like oh you won't get a job people think you're a criminal it's it's related to criminality and you know all those mm. things and i was like but I'm just me. I was like, I wouldn't. I was like, I, I would save a bee if I need to save a bee. I was like, I wouldn't harm anyone. I was like, just because of the way you look, you know. And a lot of people that do have, you know, people that are into horror films, like we were saying earlier, how you often get people say, oh, you're into horror films, you must like horrible things. No, not at all. Whereas then you have people that would never watch horrible horror film and they they often do you know you'll find you know Absolutely. they can be horrible horrible yeah. people so i think it's kind of it shows that you know that power uh, in the world and also like societal norms that we like put against certain people oh you look a certain way you must be a certain character you must do a certain thing when actually it's it's quite the opposite absolutely because actually even like one of mary's earlier clients this lady because there's a couple of ladies who come in one looks like betty boop mm. and then she brings in her friend the blonde lady ruby right ruby exactly she's a fashion designer right yeah and when she requests the surgery from mary obviously this is all like under t table stuff it's unofficial like surgeries yeah. um that are not sanctioned by any hospital um, but Mary agrees to do it because she's she's strapped for cash. Um, but the request from Ruby is that she wants surgery to look like a doll because dolls are not fetishized and sexualized mm -hmm. and objectified the way women are. 
And so that's what she wants for herself. She just wants to be like this uncanny sexless object without her proper parts, right? Mm -hmm. And so she wants surgeries to like cover up her nipples or remove her nipples and just have like like skin and seal up her vulva. And the reason we we learn that the reason like this request is rooted in terrible like domestic violence from is that is that right from her partner or she's being violated? I kind of got the impression that she like that she kind of makes this decision just based on her own experience. Experiences, yeah. but like what when at the end of the film when he sees what she's done, he like becomes so enraged by this like literally impenetrable right like female object like yeah. this like un- orificeless un- yeah unfuckable yeah. yeah yeah um that he just loses like just loses okay loses she's it. it's yeah. almost like she's done i i thought the same it was kind mm. of like she's done something for her and her only that she she wants to look at and i think the whole film actually speaks about this yeah. a lot about you know being wanting to look a certain way and changing things for herself and then her you know her husband is so enraged and unaccepting that she has decided to become something that obviously makes her very happy in her life that he goes to such an extreme measure of uh you know murdering women because he goes well no like you said she's unfuckable anymore nothing he doesn't even see her for who she is no she's more than just a a fuckable but perhaps that's even why she did it maybe she knew that he only sees her as a sexual object so she went i want to get rid of the sexuality that i have that's um, it that's which it which is maybe you know like you were saying why maybe it is domestic abuse in you know just in the sense of co- coercive like yeah. control because yeah. because he refuses to see her agency like mm-hmm. he refuses to see that she's a person with her own views or her own way of life and her yeah. talents she he only regards her and other women as sex objects for his yeah. own you know benefit and in a sense like uh, what Ruby is doing, she's trying to remove signifiers of herself as a sexual being so that she can get on with her life. Yeah. And way, what Mary's doing is she, she still sustains uh, how she looks naturally, but she incorporates and embeds uh, a layer of violence mm. uh, because they start calling her Bloody Mary, right? Yeah. Because of what she's chosen to do, like doing all these like um, sort of underground surgeries. And she uh, and she also has this reputation because of like obviously um, you don't fuck with her kind of thing and yeah. I like that I really like that aspect of her. So obviously, it gets to be too much in the film where she takes it to an extreme place yeah. where it's no longer manageable. It's like kind of what you said. Um, it's an act of revenge, but she has to keep her pet. Yeah, she has to keep her pet monster. It's gross. Yeah, and it like yeah, it's just it's. Yeah, that's the thing. That is the thing about revenge. Yeah. But there is also that really does tie back into the thing you said about men. You know, obviously this is like a theoretical thing. Not all men, but mm. you know, men feeling like being frust- like being frustrated by women, like the mystery of women. Yeah. You know, and that 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 is the thing when like there's like no there's nothing to like penetrate. It's like she's like the yeah. optimum mysterious woman. Cause she's well, got, like, no, no I think a lot of men have problem with. Um, powerful women yes it's uh me and my friend were talking about it yesterday you know intimidation they feel intimidated they feel weak they don't feel masculine next to a powerful woman and just because she's powerful doesn't it shouldn't take away 
the masculinity that he has at all, the power that he feels. But, you know, I think a lot of men do feel that. And that's obviously, you know, in American Mary, she's she becomes powerful. And even the, the guy in the club, he, he obviously, he's you know, fascinated by her. He kind of <laughs> likes her. Boy. Yeah, and he, he <laughs> likes, He, you can see he likes the power. And she asks him at one point near the end, you know, are you scared of me? Someone said, you, you fear me. And he kind of just doesn't really say anything. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, for him, he actually, the, the power is the attraction. That's it. Um, you know, and throughout the whole film, I mean, uh, Mary, she's actually, she's not sexual at all, you no. know, she doesn't, even when she goes to audition to be the stripper, he says, you know, you're not very, like, you don't walk very sexy or anything, and yes, she wears, like, because I was thinking about her, like, she's very feminine, you know, she wears high heels all the time, makeup. she wears makeup, she does wear, like, quite skimpy outfits, mm -hmm. but she's not sexual no. at all um which is it's almost it's very interesting because of course you know you have all around like rape culture and you know what you wear is it makes you sexual etc where she wears all the typical things that they go oh well you had a short skirt on you had heels on but she's not sexual at all uh -uh. she's just kind of like this powerful being um yeah yeah i think she's like the ultimate phallic woman she, in a yeah. sense I think, I think yeah yeah kind of all are like they're yeah. all like, rolling in money yeah like, one thing like there's so yeah. much money around it it's like yeah. women that have yeah. all of it and it's actually the money that like that's sort of like implied that it's the money that sort of indirectly causes her mm. to get raped because mm. she says like you thought you know you thought you could do that to me because you, you I had a lot of money and you assumed I was a sex worker yeah like, that's it yeah yeah because he says like oh you started getting yourself a nice coat new yeah. dress you had a new stethoscope uh, stethoscope that's yeah. it yeah. yeah and it's like yeah yeah that just because you suddenly get money doesn't mean that you're fucking people for money mm. yeah because she's um, an attractive woman exactly going, what else could you possibly yeah. do be doing almost they you know, even when she's trying to get her doctorate, they kind of they still just see her as a sexual object. They, do they don't think about brains or anything Skills else that she or anything. has. Yeah. yeah, but actually, you don't really, apart from the rape, which isn't really sex. You don't see any of the other of the women in the film. You know, like I mean, I suppose Beatrice is like a dancer, mm. but she's still like there's something still a little bit untouchable about her. She's like on a stage. Yeah, she's like away from oh, yeah. people, and she's the one with like the most money. And I'm like, I'll pay you two hundred just to listen to me. I'll pay you a grand just to show up. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, all of this just like loads, and it's, I, it's always we're kind of planning another series. They're making it rain. I can't, yeah. <laughs> I can't, you can't see what I'm doing right now, but, yeah, but you, know, you know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, we're planning another series after this, which is kind of about, going to be about work and money because mm, we're sort of yeah. like um, we're starting to get really interested in mm. like you know the sort of the politics behind work and like yeah. this film could almost fit in with that. Series, Absolutely, yeah. It is like in like these kind of extreme lives that they're leading they're sort of like forging this alternative path to the kind of like patriarchal capitalist yeah. system oh, yeah. and yeah. it's amazing it's like it's so inspiring it kind yeah. of makes you want to go out and get like stacks of money yeah do something weird <laughs> it's, yeah. well, it's, I want to make it rain <laughs> yeah. I just want to make it rain <laughs> Yeah, that is so true. Yeah. And in a way, I, that's why she's, even though she hasn't quite transfigured the way that Anna has in Martyrs, I think that Mary 
still in is a very different place to Lucy. She's not she's not defined by her trauma. She yeah. takes her trauma and she flips the script and gets herself her perpetrator and practices slowly, like pro- in a way processes her trauma yeah. through the surgeries, you know? Um, yeah, she's a really interesting character and I'm looking forward to actually seeing the Saska Sisters next film. It's a remake of Rabbit, right? Yeah. yeah. It was kind of yeah. Fright Oh, it was a Fright Fest. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't manage to catch it either. I see it. Yeah. I do like the fact that uh, Mary is almost like because we sort of see her tran- her initial kind of reactions to the surgeries that she mm. does. Like she's very frightened by the surgery in the basement, and right. she's kind of sickened yeah. by the like you know labia removal. Yeah. Yes. And she like throws up, and it's almost like watching ourselves as we get more used to horror films. Like, cause like at the yeah, end, by the end, yeah. she's like, absolutely fine with it. You know, got this like little cute little like creepy book. Of, yeah, she's oh, like, yeah. come in, yeah, yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah that's so true. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's nice. She's kind of like she's like yeah, she's sort of like the extreme horror viewer. She's she found her comfort zone. Yeah, yeah. It took her a little bit of time, but she got there in yeah. the end. She got there in the end. Yeah. As can you, dear listeners? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, and that's and that feels like a good place to actually end this discussion. Yeah. Um, so I really, we both want to thank you, yeah. Zoe. Thank you so for, much. This has been such a good conversation. I feel like it's been like therapy. Yeah, uh, yeah it like, feels a bit like <laughs> I'm gonna go home and be like, ah, yeah. I feel good now. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like we ended on in a good place because we always like to close off and. Um, uh, after obviously reminding everyone to like follow us on all our socials and, uh, and donate oh, yeah. to us. Socials? Socials, um, I'm just sober with a shotgun absolutely okay, everywhere. Great. Except for Twitter where it's got no A in it because limit, um, limit on the characters. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, thank you so much to both of you for having me. It's, it's been, really been great. And uh, I guess anyone that's listening should definitely do the double bill of Martyrs and American <laughs> Mary, yeah. which you guys suggested. And... I've got to say, it's a very good double bill. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. And yeah, thank you so much for tuning in. And uh, remember, we are looking out for you. And we want yeah. the best for you. We will never do anything to make you unsafe. So never. Just us. <laughs> Bye. Bye.